My face, the final frontier for every alien, Martian, Venuvian, Jovian, extraterrestrial, otherworldly, unearthly, foreign object to explore and colonize. Hello, newcomers, visitors, outsiders, strangers, emigres, uh, foreign nationals, non-natives, natives, earthlings, and aliens of the Galactic Federation. Uh, you're listening to more Morgulons. I'm your host, Crystal Clear. Just a typical uh, middle-aged white lady that's got Morgulons coming out of her face every day. Got no clue if... Um, Aliens have anything to do with Morgulons, but uh, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, and their stories will be told today on Sunday as I go and seek out new worlds, new life, new civilizations that are setting up shop on my chin and have been for the past, mm, I don't know, it's like three months now. Um, guys, like, really sucks because, um, yeah, these lesions on my face, they're just not going away. I bought stock in, um, Chanel's line of spackling. So if you want to talk about a massive cover-up, well, I don't know if the government's doing it, but I sure as hell am. Covering up, but not correcting. The situation... How in the fuck do you get rid of these Morgulons? Well, I guess you don't if you're me. But I'm gonna boldly go where no Morgie has gone before. Would you like to come along? Come on. Everybody try to fit in the teleportation device. It's kind of crowded. We do have an occupancy limit, Bob. You're gonna have to ride alone on them because you're <clears throat> over 300 pounds. Okay, all right. Just we'll. We'll see you later. Bye, Bob. Okay, now beam us up, Scotty. Great episode today. We're going to go by the comment cave as well. Hear from another person out there who is suffering from more lines. Really grateful to hear that story and excited to share it. Having a great show on Sunday. Uh, as many of you all know, I am starting my new job tomorrow. After basically all of 2020 being out of work, getting more ones and going insane in that order. So it'll be great to have some kind of return to normalcy. But yeah, just wanted to kind of mention that just because I don't know what my free time is going to look like here in the beginning of this new role. And hey, hey, everyone, calm down. Settle down. I'm not going to quit more Morgulons. I'm not a quitter. I'm a winner. And winners never give up. Just letting you guys know. The frequency of episodes, I just can't say right now whether or not I'm going to do this many uh, every week. But I hope to. I absolutely hope to because I really enjoy this. And um, just picking up a lot of... Uh, Picking up a lot of uh, new listeners, and that's great, because that's the whole freaking point of this podcast, is to make people aware of Morgulons, um, and to keep that conversation about Morgulons and the mystery of Morgulons alive, so it can be demystified. All right, you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Now let's go boldly. Where no man, woman, or any other new gender has gone before. All right, everyone, I want to share with you a very interesting uh, article about the uh, UFO sightings uh, and videos that are related to those sightings um, that were released by the Pentagon uh, last year. Um, Very surprising and interesting revelations released and declassified by Pentagon regarding UFO sightings. Uh, This is an article from New York Magazine published last year 
almost a year ago, December 19th, 2019. Uh, it's by Matthew Phelan, P-H-E-L-A-N. Title is Navy pilot who filmed the quote Tic Tac UFO speaks. Quote, it wasn't behaving by the normal laws of physics. And then there's a photo of Chad Underwood. Um, so in the 15 years since Chad Underwood recorded a bizarre and erratic UFO, now called the, the quote, Tic Tac, a name Underwood himself came up with from the infrared camera on the left wing of his FA-18 Super Hornet, he's become a flight instructor, a civilian employee in the aerospace industry, and a father. But he has not yet spoken publicly about what he saw that day, even now, two years after his video made the front page of the New York Times. As he explained before speaking with Intelligencer. Uh, okay, so I guess Intelligencer is a part of New York Magazine, just to clarify my sources here. Um, uh, as he explained before speaking with Intelligencer, Underwood has mostly wanted to avoid having his name, quote, attached to the, quote, little green men crazies that are out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we get that, Chad. We've got Morgulons. You think I want my fucking name attached to uh, this bizarre, insane, uh, delegitimized, marginalized disorder? Hell no. But at the same time, you gotta speak out when you're seeing weird shit. Um, but Mr. Underwood knows that. Uh, the story of the Tic Tac begins around November 10th, 2004. That's another thing I just want to briefly say uh you guys noticed that a lot of the things about these aliens and stuff that we're reading about and learning about kind of coincide with the timeline of you know morgies and gang stalking and all this stuff sort of rising into the public consciousness now i don't know if that's just a artifact of the simultaneous emergence of virtual communities online sharing experiences that had existed you know previous to that um and it just you know brought it into our consciousness or if these are all sort of simultaneously occurring events i would suspect the first not the second option but you know it's just something to file away in the filing cabinet of weird shit um Okay, so November 10th, 2004, this guy's flying his crazy plane, being a badass, and then when radar operator Kevin Day first reported seeing odd and slow-moving objects flying in groups of 5 to 10 off of San Clemente Island, west of the San Diego coast, at an elevation of 28,000 feet, moving at a speed of approximately 120 knots, which is about 138 miles per hour. It's pretty slow for an object at that height to be flying, right? Pretty slow. Uh, the clusters were too high to be birds, too slow, okay, too slow to be conventional aircraft, and were not traveling on any established flight path, at least according to Day. Remember, that was the radar guy. In a military report made public by KLAS-TV in Las Vegas, another crew member with 17 years of experience on similar cruisers would later observe that the objects, quote, exhibited ballistic missile characteristics as they zoomed from 60,000 feet to 50 feet above the Pacific Ocean. So think about that. These are unidentified flying objects. This guy with 17 years experience has flying at 60,000 feet above, you know, land or water, the earth, and then dropping to 50 feet above the Pacific Ocean. And it says alarmingly without producing sonic booms. So that's what he's saying when he's meaning what he that's what he means when he's saying defying the laws of physics because how can you just 
plummet at a speed like that, from heights like that, at a speed like that, without superseding the speed of sound and creating a sonic boom. I don't know. The other guy said it defies the laws of physics. That certainly does. Um, All told, radar operators with the Princeton spent about two weeks attempting to figure out what the objects were, a process that included having the ship's radar system shut down and recalibrated to make sure that the mysterious radar returns were not false positives or, quote, ghost tracks. Eventually, David Fravor, commanding officer of the Black Aces, made visual confirmation of one of the objects mid-air during a flight training exercise. An hour later, Underwood made his infrared recording on a, on a second flight. That day, Underwood recalls, Dave Fravor was like, hey dude, bolo, like be on the lookout for just something weird. I can't remember the exact terms that he used. I didn't really think much about it at the time, but once I was able to acquire it on the radar and on the FLIR, forward-looking infrared camera, that's kind of where things, I wouldn't say went sideways, but things were just different. The footage appears to depict what Fravor had identified as a 40-foot-long, white, oblong shape, hence, quote, the tic-tac, hovering somewhere between 15,000 and 24,000 feet in midair and exhibiting no notable exhaust from conventional propulsion sources, even as it makes a surprising dart leftward in the video's final moments. Of the three UFO incidents captured by U.S. Navy airmen via infrared gun camera pods, Underwood's footage remains unique for its lack of crosstalk between the pilots, a fact that has led to some speculation about its authenticity. But, quote, there wasn't anything on it that was protected. Underwood's retired former commanding officer, David Fravor, told Intelligencer, meaning like this wasn't spliced together uh, purposely with editing to you know, manipulate the audience. But uh, he's saying so the retired former commander officer, David Fravor, told this uh, publication, he, the missing audio, he says, quote, just didn't make the copy that was taken from the storage drive. A former fighter pilot who served on the Nimitz in 2004, who spoke to Intelligencer on condition of anonymity, recalled an exhilarating group screening of the FLIR-1 video. Remember, that's the forward-looking infrared thing, uh, camera. A video inside the Nimitz Carrier Vehicle Intelligence Center, CVIC. Debriefs were usually pro forma in the CVIC, but this one in particular was so odd, the former pilot said. Quote, there weren't really a lot of skeptics in that room. Years later, Fravor told ABC News that he didn't know what the Tic Tac was, but that, quote, it was really impressive, really fast, and I would like to fly it. <laughs> in the CVIC that day, the anonymous pilot told Intelligencer, quote, we all had that. We all wanted to fly it. Of the many people to have spotted or recorded the objects, a handful like Fravor, Princeton's retired chief master at arms, Sean Cahill, who reported seeing what appeared to be another grouping of the objects from the missile's cruiser's decks, cruiser's deck, have spoken to journalists or documentarians. Others have not. Lieutenant Colonel, quote, Cheeks Curse, a Marine Hornet squadron commanding officer who was also asked to inter- intercept the Tic Tac, still has not done an on-the-record interview. Uh, parentheses. Three years after the sighting, however, Kurth did take a job as a program manager at Bigelow Advanced Aerospace Space Studies in Las Vegas, whose owner, Robert Bigelow, has been a well-known private funder of UFO and paranormal research for decades. It was during the same period that Bigelow became a military contractor working on the Pentagon's once-secret 
UFO Investigation Program, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. So that was another thing that was revealed by these uh, exposés that the New York Times uh, published a couple years back uh, was not just the videos uh, of the UFOs that the Pentagon had uh, released, I guess, and but the actual revelation that there was a funded, dedicated, serious program within our government uh, to investigate UFOs. Nobody knew that uh, until that that uh, article came out. Thank you, New York Times. Doing a great job as usual. Um, Underwood now joins Fravor, Cahill, and others in speaking about his experience with the Tic Tac. This conversation has been condensed and edited for clarity. So this is an interview. Try to use a different voice for the interviewer and the interviewee because it can get a little confusing here. Okay, this is the interviewer voice, just to make things clear. What did you think of Dave Fravor's appearance on the Joe Rogan experience? I'm glad Dave went on Joe's show. He nailed every detail. At the time of the incident, he was essentially my boss, my commanding officer. I was just a pilot in his squadron. Are you familiar at all with how aircraft carrier air operations work? Probably not, although I clearly sound quite educated. So, usually we fly for about an hour, hour and a half, and then land. Then there's the next wave of folks that take off and do their mission, blah, blah, blah. That day, Dave Fravor was landing at the same time I was getting my gear on, and we crossed paths just after he'd seen it. I really don't want to get into what Dave saw specifically because I didn't see it with my own eyeballs, but I told him the Princeton, again, which has got a really good sophisticated radar, is reporting that there's an object out there that they wanted us to see if we could find and if we're able track. So we go out to where our designated training area is. We're not necessarily looking for something, but the Princeton had a specific object that they wanted us to hunt, for lack of a better word, and all of a sudden I got this blip on my radar. The Tic Tac? The term Tic Tac, I actually coined that, so anytime you heard the term, it looked like a Tic Tac out there in the sky, I was the one that kind of coined that. Was that name based on what you saw with your own eyes, or from looking at the screen on the camera? No, I was more concentrated on looking at the FLIR. It was inside of 20 miles. You're not going to see it with your own eyes until probably 10 miles. And then you're not going to be able to visually track it until you're probably inside of 5 miles. Which is where Dave Fravor said that he saw it. So at that point, I didn't see anything with my eyeballs. I was more concerned with tracking it, making sure that the videotape was on so that I could bring something back to the ship, so that the intel, fo- so that the intel folks could dissect whatever it is that I captured. The thing that stood out to me the most was how erratic it was behaving. And what I mean by, quote, erratic is that its changes in altitude, airspeed, and aspect were just unlike things that I've ever encountered before flying against other air targets. It was just behaving in ways that aren't physically normal. That's what caught my eye, because aircraft, whether they're manned or unmanned, still have to obey the laws of physics. They have to have some sort of lift, some sort of propulsion. The Tic Tac was not doing that. It was going from like 50,000 feet to, you know, 100 feet in like seconds, which is not possible. And it was doing that during your engagement too. Yes, that was the thing that was the most interesting to me, how erratic this thing was. If it was obeying physics like a normal object that you would encounter in the sky, an aircraft or a cruise missile or some sort of special project that the government would tell you about, that would have made more sense to me. The part that drew our attention was how it wasn't behaving within the normal laws of physics. You're up there flying like, okay, it's not behaving in a manner that's predictable or is normal by how flying objects physically move. 
from looking at the video at the time, and more recently, do you get a sense as to how much heat this thing was giving off? Well, normally you would see engines emitting a heat plume. This object was not doing that. The video shows the source of heat, but the normal signatures of an exhaust plume were not there. There was no sign of propulsion. You could not see the thing that the ATF LIR pod should pick up 100% of the time. The source of heat and exhaust that a normal object flying would give you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, no method of propulsion or exhaust. And the exhaust part of it was the thing that kind of made me raise my eyebrows and be like, okay, this is interesting. Were you approaching the Tic Tac head-on? Some people have suggested that the Tic Tac's rapid leftward movement toward the end of the video was actually the result of your FA-18 banking to the right and dragging the camera along with it. We were pointed nose-on to it, maybe 10 to 20 degrees of azimuth, either left or right. Go when the object kind of darts away into the left. I was not aggressively maneuvering the aircraft in the manner that would make the FLIR pod would do that. But look, at that point, I did not actually see the object aggressively accelerate to the left as the video shows to actually prove that. Because you were at a distance where you couldn't make visual contact with your own eyes. Right. And so what's happening in the video is a little ambiguous as a result. Right, yeah. And that part kind of sucks because I can't confirm that the object aggressively accelerated that way. But I have my feelings based off of my experience with my equipment and also just logic when it comes to, you know, physics. I want to ask you some questions based on theories that America's armchair skeptics have put forward, like whether it was birds or whether it was some sort of thermal weather event. I mean, I'm sure you haven't had enough flight time that you've seen birds. Yep, uh, birds normally fly close to the surface of the ground, so for example, you're not going to see birds flying at 5,000 feet. You're going to see them more down at like 2,000 feet and below, like down to the surface. That's just kind of how birds normally operate, and they're typically not alone, <laughs> so you can you can physically see them in a flock or whatever. You don't see birds at 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 feet. That's just not how birds operate, so birds are out of the question, and just... So that I anticipate your next question, there are weather balloons that people launch. This was not a weather balloon, because a balloon, it just ascends and floats from low to high altitude. It doesn't behave erratically. I mean, it's just a damn balloon. Quick break, stay tuned. So that was out of the question. Uh, it wasn't, to the best of my knowledge, a cruise missile or any other kind of test aircraft that we possibly may have not known about. Just because of the way it was behaving. Like I said, it was just very erratic. It would go from like 50 feet off the ground, which when you're out in the open ocean, you know, off the coast of San Diego, it looked like it was just hovering over the water. But there was no method of propulsion that was keeping it airborne. No wings, no heat, keeping it airborne or aloft. Have you ever seen a weather event on an ATF-LIR? I would say if I captured this object on my sensors independently, like I was the only one that saw it or tracked it, I might have blown it off as something like a weather event. But the amount of people and sensors from other independent sources who found it, given the time period Dave Fravor saw it and an hour and a half later I went out and saw it, and we captured basically an object with the same description, leads me to believe that a weather event would be unlikely. Did it surprise you or provide any kind of relief seeing the Navy officially declare the Tic Tac video genuine and a genuine UAP when that happened in the Washington Post last September. No, not surprised. Validation for sure. This might be a good time to talk about what the mood was on the Nimitz after all of this. 
once I landed, I saw one of my buddies from my sister's squadron. He said, hey, did you see something out there too? In a very jokey manner. And I was like, actually, MFR, because I know you want to make fun of me. I got it here on video. Although I didn't say MFR, I said the actual term. He's a good friend of mine, so it was in jest. We popped the tapes into the playback machine. I'm like, here, this is where it is. Those little video cuts that you see of my FLIR recording were taken there at the intelligence center. What they do with it from there, I don't have a whole lot to deal with. When I was still in my flight gear, so probably within 20 minutes or so, I spoke to someone that I assume was from NORAD. I described it exactly as I just told you. I didn't get debriefed. The interesting thing was normally if you see something out in the middle of the ocean that's a test project, we would get debriefed on it one-on-one in a dark room, whether it's from the folks at Edwards Test Site or something like that. Quote, hey, yes, we were testing a project. This is what you saw. Without going into great detail, it would be like, yes, uh, this project umpty squat and basically this is what you saw don't talk about it that never happened which leads me to think that it was not a government project or at least not one not one they wanted to give any acknowledgement of and you know i've got top secret clearance with a ton of special project clearances so it's not like i wasn't cleared to know but as i'm sure you found in your research to have clearance to know something you have to have both the clearance that it's elevated to and you have to have the quote need to know it And clearly, whatever it was, if it was a government project, I did not need to know it. Yeah, understood. Here's something I'm curious about because of this NORAD aspect. Did it come up that this telephone debriefing was maybe involved with something called an Operations Event Incident Report or NORAD's OPREP3 reporting system? Honestly, Matt, I have no idea. Like... Like, what level up to who I was talking to? Uh, I just wanted to answer them. I was just basically handed a telephone and said, hey, answer these questions. Fair enough. So between talking to the NORAD guy and Fravor going public, there's a several-year period where this is just like a thing that happened in your life. Did it come up very often at all? There would be associations. I would be sitting at lunch five years later with some of my colleagues. Rumors tend to have legs. Hey, you were out on the Nimitz in 04. Someone told me about some alien spacecraft. And I'm like, well, one, the video that you see is my video. And no, I've never said that this is what I think it was or speculate as to what I think it was. That's not my job. But I saw something and it was also seen via eyeballs by both my commanding officer, Dave Fravor, and the Marine Corps Hornet Squadron commanding officer who was out there as well. When did you find out Fravor was going to go public? Did a lot of people approach you during that reporting or afterward? It's funny, seeing your boss's name and face on the news, given what he was putting out there, you know, obviously our encounter happened in 04, so a while back. But everything that Dave has put out there in the interviews is absolutely 100% exactly what happened on that day. And we're still good friends to this day. So I started texting him. We had about a two-hour-long phone call, and I'd be like, dude, like, what made this pop up? Like, where was this, you know, 12, 14 years ago? Now it's 15 years ago. And I guess that was when the Pentagon released whatever project they called it. I can't even remember it. A-A-T-I-P. Yeah, A-A-T-I-P. That's the, you know, the investigation of UFO program uh, the government has. Did the New York Times reach out to you? Ask for background just to confirm anything? No? Interesting. Not that I really care. At no point did I want to speculate as to what I thought this thing was or be associated with, you know, alien beings and alien aircraft and all that stuff. I'm like, no, I do not want to be a part of that community. It is just what we call a UFO. I couldn't identify it. It was flying and it was an object. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I'll let the nerds, like, do the math on what it was likely to be. I just happened to be the person that brought back the video.
So, uh, and then they have a correction. The story originally identified the man who quoted in the military's report as reporting that the objects, quote, exhibited ballistic missile characteristics as Kevin Day. The identity of this man has not yet been publicly reported, so we regret the error. All right, well, that's fucking fascinating and weird. Thanks for hanging out and exploring that with me. Does it leave credibility to uh, the Israeli retired general's report that we're in a galactic federation here in the United States uh, and possibly Israel as well with a bunch of aliens that are currently on Earth doing experiments, uh, most likely on me? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, I think it does. I think that this uh, this uh, timely uh, you know, relatively timely uh, release of UFO videos by the Pentagon for the first time ever. And um, this eyewitness uh, interview of regarding those videos and what he saw is, I mean, it certainly lends, lends credibility to that outrageous and bizarre uh, news story that just came out last Friday about uh, the Galactic Federation. It definitely does lend credibility. Now, it could still be a publicity stunt. Man, just just lots to think about, guys. Lots to think about. Um, fun and interesting stuff here. Crystal, do we have time for the comment cave? Uh, yeah. I want to I wanna meet some new people. Let's go to the comment cave. Come on, guys. Everyone to the teleporter. Bob, we'll see you as we did last time in about 10 minutes after we arrived. Okay, all right. Thank you. Beam us up. Don't throw tomatoes, light your torches, or bring your pitchforks. We don't have time for the comment cave today. It's already at 35 minutes. I've already lost half of y'all. Okay? Give me something and you something to look forward to tomorrow on the best day of the week, Monday. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I usually deliver when I make promises, but the sun just came out in Atlanta, and I got one half a day of freedom before I start back to full-time directoring. All right, cool. Have a great Sunday, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You're my favorite people, my favorite non-people, and just uh, my most uh, most valuable uh, players this year. Really appreciate you guys. All right, thanks for listening. Stay tuned tomorrow. Hopefully, we will be spelunking.